Hello, hello. Happy Monday for those of you who are tuning in. It's episode 216 of the Security Token Show. We're your hosts. I'm Herwig Konings, of course, joined by Kyle Sondland, as always. And uh, man, Kyle, do we have yet another show? It doesn't seem like the news is stopping at all, despite the no. holidays kicking into gear. What do you say? Yeah, we've got another great episode. We are closing it out here at the end of the year, but that doesn't mean momentum has to stop. Herwig, we have quite a chock-full episode here, both in terms of our token debrief, everything going on institutionally, as well as in our market movement segments and an interview. So some cool stuff coming up. Great episode. I'd say let's not wait any longer and dive in. And this week we are joined by, of course, another contributor. And this, as always, we've seen here, Jason Barraza sticking to his schedule. What's going on, Jason? Good morning. Good morning. Happy to be here. Excited for another week of news. Let's jump in, Herwig and Kyle. Let's do this. Glad, glad to have you because I got some big news to drop out the gate, guys. We've been seeing a lot of activity in covering the base blockchain that Coinbase released earlier this year. We've already seen a few different uh, security token tokenization providers jump on leveraging this technology. But now Coinbase Asset Management has announced Project Diamond, another cool name, Project Diamond. What Project Diamond is, is designed for institutions to go ahead and leverage tokenization on base. As they say, digital native versions of financial instruments. The key here is that it is not in the U.S., not available to U.S. institutions, only international institutions, but the platform has received approval from the financial services regulated activity in Abu Dhabi. Uh, so a big deal. They've chosen their jurisdiction. They've built out a platform. They even worked with the regulators already. Apparently, they showed off a USDC stable coin denominated short-term discount note. And uh, they got approval. So now we can see, presumably, a lot of institutions start to leverage tokenization on base in collaboration with Coinbase Asset Management outside of the U.S. What do you guys think? Really, really exciting to, to see this news come out of Coinbase. You know, finally, they're diving into securities. I mean, it's outside of the U.S. jurisdiction for now, not to, uh, but obviously, you know, there's always a path back to the U.S. for, for this specific use case. But great to see that they're using their whole ecosystem, right? They're using their wallet, their custody service, and so forth, um, all within the ecosystem, and really being making this, um, you know, friendly for both the institutions and eventually for the users on base. And I think another thing notable to to make sure that we highlight here is the fact that everything is digitally native, right? These are digitally native shares uh, that they're issuing versus you know taking an off-chain asset and then putting it on chain. Yeah, I think that the interesting thing here is this is being done in a regulatory sandbox for what they consider digital securities. So, I mean, it is one of those things that really starts to, you know, help convey Coinbase's frustration in working with the SEC that this is exactly what the U.S. regulator presumably would want them to be building here inside the U.S. This is a digital security. This should be registered in theory with securities laws, which would be in compliance with, with what we've seen from the SEC. And yet it's being done in a different jurisdiction. Presumably this sandbox environment is helpful, right? Being able to build innovative technology 
under the guidance of a regulator, but in a way that can make sure that you work yourself towards compliance in a test fashion before launching this product to the masses. It'll be fascinating to see how this works. And if it's successful, as Jason said, it probably will just come back to the US. You called it, right, Kyle? Like that's that's it in a nutshell. This is, we have just lost Coinbase asset management in the US due to the you know regulation and the, the lack of clarity and obviously the likely the ongoing battle between Coinbase and the SEC state side here. So th this means now tokenized products by institutions are happening, not in the US. I don't like to see that, but I do love to see those tokenizations. So go Abu Dhabi and Coinbase Asset Management. Who's next? What else you got? Well, I have a one of the largest companies in the world, Saudi Aramco, working with Japan's SBI. They've announced plans that they're going to do a collaboration in the digital asset space focused around semiconductors. SBI came out and they've intended to establish an SBI Middle East in Riyadh, focused specifically on a $100 million joint fund with Standard Chartered, who has been so active in this industry that we've covered over the last couple of months. The collaboration is about a digital asset portfolio that they're looking to invest in, as well as supporting companies in the Saudi Arabian region. And so this is fascinating to see more large companies. I think that not only Saudi Arabia's regulatory stance and Aramco's blockchain investment portfolio, it shows that they're not just focused on cryptocurrencies. They want to get involved in the digital asset sector. And we've certainly seen Standard Charter and, and SBI getting involved on the tokenized asset front with a bunch of debt offerings in the past. So presumably this will trickle into all sorts of institutional investment mechanisms. But great to see Saudi Aramco, I think the second largest company in the world in terms of revenue getting involved in the industry. Woo, I love it. I love it. I love it. That is amazing. A trillion plus dollar company getting into tokenization. I believe it's the first that's that's diving head on in and they're uh, teaming up with SBI. You know, if I got to be a little weatherman over here, this this region in the Middle East is blowing up, folks. I think it's fantastic. Lots of tokenization. Japan working in Singapore, now the Middle East. Uh, they're really taking advantage of this global global movement. Uh, love to see that. Yep, you guys covered it, right? The Middle East is doing this with Aramco. We see Coinbase moving that way now too with what they're doing. And last, just last week, we saw Red Swan as well, tokenizing $4 billion of real estate in the Middle East. So lots of activity going on there. Definitely some uh, a jurisdiction to keep an eye out for. Uh, but moving on to our next piece of news, we do have Finality, who uh, commenced their initial phase of a sterling payment operation. Essentially, what this is, is on-chain wholesale payments, the cash leg or the P leg of DVP. Um, the idea is that it's a digital representation of funds held at a central bank. Now, that central bank is uh, relative to whichever banks they're working with, right? So in this case, it's the Bank of England that they're working with. Um, and they have three participating groups working with them on this transaction, Lloyd's Banking Group, Banco Satander, and UBS. Uh, so really, really interesting to see this again, this on-chain payments. Um, and eventually it's not just for payments, but also and wholesale finance, but also eventually for uh, tokenized securities to be able to atomically swap as well through the institutions. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah, this is great to see just more UK activity after publishing the MICA framework 
now launching into additional institutional products. And this is really what it takes, guys. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes these industries take a while to develop because we see so many of these test cases, so many of these collaborations between all of these large shareholders, all of these large enterprise clients. But that's the, the level of diligence that they need to feel comfortable launching these products. So great to see that they're experimenting, learning, and obviously seeing value so that they can continue these tests. Yeah, I'm yeah, glad you bring it. Go ahead, I was just going to say, Kyle, I'm, I'm glad you bring up shareholders. You know, Finality shareholders are a bunch of banks. BNP Pariva, Banco Santander, BNY Mellon, um, let's see, MUFG, NASDAQ Ventures. So all of these players that are have an incentive to integrate Finality solutions into their ecosystem. And so I think it's just a great play on uh, Rome's part over at Finality. But Herbert, what were you uh, about to dive into? I was just going to say we had just announced just a couple episodes ago that they raised such a monster round to see them already, you know, making big announcements like this uh, that we've, we've talked about it so many times on the show, how important that cash leg is to really leveraging on chain settlement, right? In order for capital markets to really scale, you need these cash leg components. Uh, Finality clearly is, is making a big impact, especially over there in Europe, although I know they have global expansion plans. So great to see that activity. Uh, even though we got super hot activity going on over here and maybe a little colder over here, we do have something to talk about. Very cool innovation coming out of Provenance, folks. They call it the hold module. Now to uh, basically enable uh, a hold on your account, not using smart contracts folks no escrow systems no smart contract based escrow system but through the providence blockchain essentially uh, allowing you as they claim a, a hotel card hold when you go to a hotel and they place a hold on your card similarly that's what the hold module does on chain allowing you to continue to receive interest and in other things so as opposed to locking up that asset into a smart contract they allow you to use the hold module that provides less interference Nick, our, our producer, if you could pull up that image I sent you, here's just a nice side by side on the difference between what they believe is a worse situation with smart contracts because there are more gas fees. There are more security risks given that smart contracts can introduce these vulnerabilities. There is uh, the upgradability component that also gets involved with that. And in theory, there is an extra transfer step as well. Uh, when you're using a smart contract for these escrow type solutions. So the hold module really is meant to just be a hold on your wallet. Uh, a very, very interesting development, uh, very low cost, as you can see, they claim de minimis gas fees. And there isn't an escrow component. It really is allowing the holder to, to hold on to their token. Well, what do you guys think about this innovation? Is this, is this more novel than I'm making it out to me or less novel? This is super important for enterprise infrastructure, but certainly is not the most retail applicable application, I think. But the the stop gaps, these charges, these circuit breakers are so important for these huge transactions with so many different parties in between that this is the level of diligence required for an institutional grade blockchain as opposed to something that you're just going to launch random cryptocurrencies on if we're actually building frameworks for hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars of assets you need to make sure you have these things in place we have these legal structures in place already we need to build them for the technological world totally you guys agree. build it yep That's nice all right guys and i have an article for you 
This is talking about Interrupts. It's a wealth management startup, and they've actually partnered with DigiShares, who's a partner of ours. We work with them very closely, focusing on tokenizing non-traditional assets. So the goal here is to do tokenized gold, rice, whiskey, carbon credits, and the whole gambit of alternative assets with the goal here to focus on integrating those traditional investment avenues into the digital asset markets. So DigiShares, as you may or may not know, is a white label tokenization platform, meaning they do a lot of that plumbing, a lot of the underlying infrastructure for these larger clients. And they provide that asset management automation processes. So great to see a collaboration between a company trying to do this on the TradFi side and bringing alternative assets to investment markets, working with DigiShares to do a lot of the tokenization. Because as we've seen, it just doesn't seem like it makes a ton of sense for a company that has the traditional asset exposure to work on building the technology. Either they don't have the expertise, it might not be worth their time. And there's just so many companies like DigiShares building the cool technology. You can layer in your asset management, you can layer in your investor network, you can layer in your deal flow and have the technology taken care of for you. So it's great to see interrupts taking advantage of DigiShares white label platform. Gentlemen, a lot of activity from DigiShares over the course of the year, as well as many of these different upcoming startups doing some great things. Any thoughts here? DigiShares is rocking it, man. They are they're continuing to sign up clients left and right. Totally makes sense on the wealth management side. I wonder how exactly they plan to expose or tokenize, you know, the the gold, the whiskey, the renewable energy. You know, is it a direct exposure? Is it via fund products as as the wealth management startup puts them together? I'd be curious to see what kind of uh, offerings they launch with. But of course, it's fantastic news, right on trend with the RWA movement tapping into a lot of more like commodities, like like gold and rice, right? But still. Uh, a fantastic initiative and and absolutely true when it comes to creating diverse exposure. You know, this is this is what we preach all the time: the ability for you to go in and buy a token of gold, a token of treasuries, a token of equities, a token of uh, rice. In this case, uh, mm -hmm. you can now put together a very unique portfolio thanks to tokenization. And and if it isn't for uh, companies like Interrupts or DigiShares, it just wouldn't happen. So, a great partnership to see come together. Exactly. And alternatives are one of the harder asset classes to, you know, bring into portfolios for diversification um, and for them to understand, you know, hey, if I need to rebalance, what's the process here? It's very long and tedious. Uh, putting it on chain does streamline that, as we saw from the JP Morgan news. Um, it sounds like DigiShares and Interrupts are obviously enabling this as well uh, to an extent. But like you said, um, both of you, really, it's just a plug and play. You know, the tech is already built out. Anyone that's trying to bridge over to digital assets or to traditional assets space, it's a nice little bridge here. And we've seen time and time again examples of this. So congratulations. And I do believe DigiShares um, has their crowdfund that's closing up soon on Republic. So um, if you're watching this and you're interested in learning more, hop over to Republic and, and find DigiShares' offering in case you may be interested in participating. But moving on and speaking of platforms, we do have more news coming from Delmore. Delmore is essentially one of the biggest players in crowd in the crowdfunding game. Uh, and what they're doing is they have Delmore Connect, which enables companies to design their own essentially issuance experience um, and build cap uh, customized capital raise for specifically Reg CF and Reg A. So this is what allows um, investors uh, that are non-accredited to also participate 
Um, and it's all powered through APIs, guys. So it's very easy, plug and play, throw these in um, and be able to leverage, again, Dalmore's existing tech for an issuer that wants to go through this process and really personalize that experience. And I do have a quote from the Tokenize This conference that Aton Butler over at uh, Dalmore gave us, which was that, you know, we're really offering that single sign-on experience, trying to reduce as much friction as possible because they've noticed that the industry operates a lot more like e-commerce. The idea being that if you're doing a Reg CF or a Reg A, you're going after retail investors. And so if you're going to you know, throw in $100 at an offering, you're not going to go the investment banking experience. You're not going to go this complex uh, process. You really want to make this as e-commerce friendly or like as possible. And so that's what Delmore is enabling here for issuers. Any thoughts, Kyle, Herwig? Yeah, Delmore's doing cool stuff. I think that the API connections make a lot of sense so that in the era of white labeling, you can essentially white label in your, your brokering platform to help with the distribution, to take care of a lot of the, the regulatory components there. So that's pretty cool, especially in an age of these digitally native fundraises and some of these companies that are looking to leverage AI and as much convenience as they can throughout their business models. The financial side of this, the legal and compliance side of this is I think the the least able to be automated. So the more that we can layer in APIs to solve some of those problems, I think opens the door for more issuers, for more companies to actually take advantage of this. So um, very much kudos to them for taking a tech focus and tech first approach with, with some of their solutions here. It's a last license as a service. You know, they have a brokerage platform. They've back that up with technology this is this is a future uh this is what in this is that democratization where just like you said kyle and jason you don't have to go through a bank uh they're enabling technology and their license so that people can use it and create their own uh environment powered by them of course uh which is just that's just fantastic to see i love that the the easier it becomes for people to raise money and accept money the more tokenizations will start to see happen and, and dalmar is clearly uh, helping make that happen. Uh, Jason, I believe you're about to interview someone from Denari. How about we head into that? Let's go for it. Great. Thanks, guys. So, you know, welcome to another interview here on the Security Token Show. We're joined today by Denari. We have Jake Timothy and Chaz Rampenthal. Guys, how are you doing this morning? Doing really great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having us on. Yeah, excited to be here, Jason. Absolutely. So you guys just announced that you have completed a $10 million seed funding round, um, as well as unveiling new D shares that you guys are tokenizing. So why don't you guys give us the background? What's going on here? Um, yeah, give us a lowdown on, on the exciting news. Well, yeah, we're uh, really excited here at Denari to uh, launch our kind of real world asset tokens, our, our D shares. Uh, a, a tokenized stock is essentially what this is. Uh, that represents a reward asset that is a stock, a stock ownership in a company, uh, companies that you kind of know and hear every single day. And we can talk a little bit about the types of stocks and, and ETFs and stuff that we are uh, tokenizing. Uh, but we are issuing these tokens. Uh, they're all one-to-one. -one. They're fully backed uh, by a custodied share of stock that we, that we keep. Um, we will tokenize these public securities, ETFs, um, and we are really excited that we've uh, been able to raise some money. We're going to be doing hopefully some good expansion, adding some more shares, 
Um, I think it's time, right, that real-world real asset tokenization is in the forefront and it's going to just keep growing. Absolutely. So, so what are tokenized uh, stocks for anyone that's not aware? How does this work um, and why would someone invest into a tokenized stock versus traditional yeah. or is it a different type of investor that's participating? Well, it's a little, it's a little of, of kind of all of the above, um, Jason. So it, the, the typical way, and the easiest way to do this is to talk about kind of what the, the traditional way is, right? So you think of traditional finance, you think of um, owning a share of stock in a company like Apple or Google or, or Meta, and you know, you, you, you go, you open up a brokerage account, maybe you could do that online now, right? Or you could do it uh, in an app through like Robinhood. Um, and you can, you know, you can go and you create an account, you, you buy a purchase, purchase some stock, the deal is, is that that is not necessarily super easy to do um, outside of the United States. Um, while there are international brokers, um, and if you have enough money or have enough time, you can open up a brokerage account and take care of that in the United States, or like I said, through a, a, an international online broker. It can be very difficult for people who are really kind of just trying to put a toe in, in, the, in the water. Um, so what we've done is instead of you going through the traditional route, we are minting tokens, what we call D shares, and each one of those D shares that we're minting, we're offering uh, in, in a compliant offering outside the United States currently, um, and that is represented by the exact same kind of rights that you would have as an owner of the stock. Understood. In addition, in addition to access around the world, tokenization also allows us to bring to bear a lot of the innovations we've seen in decentralized finance. Right. Uh, to these well-known assets that people already understand uh, and understand as a as a class of assets, that opens up access not only to the assets themselves but additional services that they may not have access to before. That makes sense to me, right? So you're essentially opening up U.S. capital markets to a wider uh, range of investors from around the world that can participate in essentially what is somewhat of a derivative, but really just a one-to-one backed. Uh, representation of owning that asset. So because it is a one-to-one, -one, I have to ask, you know, how is this custodied? Are they redeemable? What's the situation there? Yeah, a great, great question. And uh, one that we actually have through our, our FAQs on our website, but I will tell you straight up uh, that all of the underlying shares are held in a, in a separate account um, uh, by the company. We are fully transparent. You can go onto our web app at any given time you can see the holdings in real time that we have. Uh, we also have engaged a well-known global accounting firm to run regular audits and report their findings independent of us to prove that this is happening. And last but not least, we're actually in the process right now of creating a, a separate remote entity to ensure that these assets are always ring fenced as much as possible legally to ensure that they're going to always be there for redemption when it happens. Now, the redeeming side of it, yes, they are redeemable. Currently, in the same way that they're purchased, you know, you connect the wallet, you purchase it with some stable coin. They're redeemable also for um, stable coin at the current market price. Um, so for stocks that are trading only during a particular window, that only happens during the window, right? During the trading window. So if you put in an order um, to do a redemption, it would redeem, for instance, when the market opens or at the next possible time. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Oh, so so let's dive into some of the stocks that you guys have tokenized. In this recent release, you guys mentioned that you guys to, uh, tokenized McDonald's, MCD, right? Yum Brands and the Valkyrie WGMI Bitcoin Miners ETF. Tell us about 
how you chose to tokenize these stocks and maybe insight into other stocks that you guys have already tokenized in the past. Yeah, so so in general, uh, you know, we we take a combination of user interest and and requests that we receive from our community in addition to different subsectors or assets that are have more general interest. Uh, in the case of McDonald's Yum and WGMI, this is uh, it's kind of a, a little bit tongue in cheek in the crypto community uh, where at, in a bear market, when everything is down and we've all lost our money, we can go work at McDonald's. So uh, this is a little bit of a play to the meme space of crypto. Uh, but the other side of that is these are these are well-known, very familiar brands globally that uh, people around the world, they, they, they understand the business uh, of food service. Uh, and, and in addition, they're they're really for the the average investor, not a lot of easy options for investing in mining operations. So uh, we think it's very interesting. We've seen the recent tokenization of Coinbase, um, and this Bitcoin miners ETF allows investment in the underlying infrastructure of crypto in addition to the app layer. That's an interesting one, right? We, we've covered. You know, I'm sure you guys are aware of Blockstream. They did their mining note. Um, now they have their basic note. Um, so this is an interesting also, again, playing on infrastructure and you're betting on the long term growth of that um, as the industry grows, as adoption grows and so forth. So th that's really interesting. Do you guys have any uh, teasers or anything you can let us know about future tokenized stocks that you plan to launch? Well, we'll see where I again, you know, <laughs> would love to hear from your community as well uh, where where they're interested in. We do a, we do a release every month. So we have a, a pretty regular cadence of increasing our listings and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be tracking that. I was going to say, but definitely we're, we're looking to continue to expand, continue to add the, you know, the stocks, the assets, bonds, um, treasuries, for instance, like, uh, and, and continuing the movement uh, in the future. Now that we've got this raise under our belt, um, looking to expand into to new jurisdictions and, and hopefully, um, you know, based on what we're seeing, you know, signals from, uh, you know, from within the United States, we believe that there is going to be a path forward. Um, is it today? I don't know. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, next year, uh, where we can see stuff like this in the United States. Um, you know, they have been talking that the traditional finance markets have been talking about tokenization of stocks for what, seven, six years now, at least. Um, and the idea of, you, you know, qu question it, you know, take a look at it. Uh, understand it, you know, that they're still in their, they're still in their kind of timeline, their, their, their traditional finance timeline. Um, right now you're seeing, you know, a lot of actions against companies, right? This is that, this is that last bell, like, uh oh, we got to enforce, enforce, but pretty soon they're going to start just regulating it. They're going to realize they can't stop this. They don't, they shouldn't stop this, right? This is good for people. It's good for their own. It's good for the, the underlying companies. It's going to be great for traditional finance to, it's not traditional. It's going to be great for finance in general. Um, and, and, and markets to expand and start actually saying it's time for us to realize this is not a flash in the pan. This isn't going anywhere. 100%. That, that makes total sense to me, right? And so it's just a matter of, you know, how fast does regulation come out or just clear rules? Um, otherwise, yeah. we do see the other jurisdictions definitely moving forward a little faster um, to that point. So it kind of just depends on the company's goals and, and you know, which regulation you kind of want to leverage based on where you're at or where you want to move to stuff like that but i'm glad you brought up expansion by the way Chaz. you guys so the other part of this uh you know press release is the fact that you guys raised capital 
So you guys have fresh capital in. What are your next plans for, what can we expect from Denari in 2024? Yeah, so as Chaz alluded to, expansion into other asset classes. Right now right. we offer equities, so stocks and ETFs. We're interested in expanding into bonds and developing out more fixed income opportunities for our users, as well as, like I mentioned before, increasing the number of features and the utility once those things are tokenized, additional services to, to the token holders themselves. That's uh, working with traditional DeFi protocols to enable borrowing and lending, for example. All exciting stuff, all exciting stuff to, to bring on to, to market and just really taking advantage of blockchain technology and how it can enhance capital markets as it's, it sounds like you guys are planning to do here. Awesome. So how can people get in contact with you guys and work with you? Um, you know, what's the best way to reach you guys? Yeah, well, I'd love for, for anyone, uh, always welcome to join our community on Discord. Um, follow us on Twitter at Denari Global. Uh, and yeah, would just love to continue to, to provide updates with a, a little bit more detail if you follow us directly. Yeah. And I'd also say for the people that are, you know, you know, you're watching your show that are interested in, you know, kind of the future of regulation here, people who are saying, man, there's got to be a compliant, great way to do this that provides investor security, but allows for this to be a legitimate, a legitimized business. It is a legitimate business. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're always interested in talking to people who have a very similar mindset that is let's do this, but let's do this in a compliant manner. And if there's no path for an actual like by the book compliant manner, let's find a compliant manner and let's do it that way. Let's show people that this sort of business is it's, it's not just real, but it's safe. It's good. It's the kind of business that is the future of finance. hundred percent. Great. Great. You guys hear, uh, heard it here. First, you know, Denari has just raised $10 million. They're launching new tokenized stocks and they have a great clear path forward uh, to continue enabling our markets here through the power of blockchain technology. Um, that's all the time we have for now. We will be moving on to our next segment, the market movements. Jake, Chaz, thank you for joining us. It's been our thank pleasure, you. Jason. Thank you. What a great interview there, Jason. Really cool to see tokenized stocks on the rise like that. And I think that's a perfect transition for the market movements. I've got some cool news from Blockstream, guys. Uh, they actually, uh, we actually missed it on the show. Hate to admit that, but we will always be transparent. In September, they actually sold out a $5 million note uh, that they call the basic note. So this is different from the Blockstream mining note that we've often talked about in the past on the show, designed to give you exposure to, to Bitcoin directly via the hash rate. In this case, their basic note stands for Blockstream ASIC, because what they're doing is they're buying ASIC mining machines, which of course, given their reputation and track record, they probably got some pretty good access to. And their plan is to actually resell that into the market at the right time. Uh, if you don't know the Bitcoin market well, the mining world is consumed by these ASIC mining machines. Uh, they're constantly upgrading. They're constantly in demand. More people want to mine. Mining grows in scale. Uh, so this actually makes a lot of sense to me. They were already able to sell out Series 1 for, for around $5 million, uh, to acquire uh, what these Pro ASIC miners cost ant miners for about 19 S9, 
Antminer S19K Pro ASIC mining machines. Um, so very, very cool. Series 2 has not been announced in terms of size and date, but it has been announced that it is planned. So there will be another opportunity to get into that basic note Series 2. I think this is a very cool, uh, another cool step by Blockstream to enable people exposure to this market yet again in a tokenized manner. I'll hand it over to the room. What do you guys think? Really, really interesting to see um, Blockstream come out with such unique use cases and unique structures for security tokens. It's not a conventional equity or debt token. It's it's something really put together here. Um, as we saw with the BMN one token, and we did do a report on this, you know how it you know uh, outperformed the latter the alternative, which is just holding Bitcoin. And so in this case, obviously, it's a different structure. So we'll have to potentially you know follow up with this and see how that performs. What investors can expect and work with the blockstream mining team or the blockstream team. But they did also present at tokenize this. Um, so if you wanna learn more about blockstream in general, definitely check out our YouTube channel uh, and check that out. And last but not least, I think that the other thing to consider is the timing on this. Um, the The timing on this is really interesting. You know, you see the Bitcoin price coming up. And so, you know, it'll, it'll I wonder how fast the second series will fill out, but any other thoughts guys? Yeah, I find it interesting that they're doing a, almost like a commodities transaction here in terms of buying chips with the goal to sell them at a later date. So I don't know, not my favorite offering personally, just because like it's just such a different value proposition. I think then if you're betting on Bitcoin or if you're betting on, you know, the opportunities with mining, this is presumably... I would guess they won't be using these miners to be mining Bitcoin, perhaps, but I think there's some level of degradation that would happen if you were to actually use the, the chips for mining processes. So presumably these are just going to be stored in the box or, or in an airtight room or whatever, and then resold in the future. I don't know quite as much about this, but obviously the highlight being that they have no problems raising money. They've raised over 50 million for their mining note. They've now raised five again for this. And presumably are going to be raising more. So um, great to see. Congrats to Blockstream for for certainly understanding and unlocking the liquidity, which for most people is the hardest part. I do know there's a lot of demand around these mining machines, and so presumably by buying up a bunch and not even using them, that is also going to have an interesting price pressure on the chips. But then again, yeah. I imagine that they've publicized this information, and if I'm selling these ant miners i'd probably be wondering like huh do i want to sell it to these guys if they're not even going to use it so i wonder <laughs> if if that could end up backfiring in some way it doesn't sound like it did for series one and i imagine again given their past success that they'll probably have some great success with series two we'll let you know when they yeah. plan the official announcement certainly a small allocation in the grand scheme of things anyway but into the next article we have archax and hedera hashgraph better known as the hbar token which is backed by the HBAR Foundation. They have furthered their partnership, Archax being one of the leaders in Europe in terms of asset tokenization, working with large institutions, bringing crypto products to institutions, as well as being focused on digital securities and real institutional level assets. Archax and the HBAR Foundation are now working on staking or real-world asset tokenization, something Herwig and I covered in a main topic from many years past in the opportunities of potentially collateralizing your tokenized position. And so Archax is using the Hedera network 
who do a lot of their institutional grade tokenization. So this partnership is really focused around bringing this staking product to the clients that are holding HBAR and presumably holding tokenized interests of the funds through Archax's platform. So very cool to see. They are one of the leaders in what we might call DeFi applications for these real-world tokenized assets. Of course, staking or collateralization is not a DeFi native mechanic necessarily. It wasn't invented by the DeFi world. This is something we've seen in traditional finance for decades, if not centuries. But um, it's very cool to see that, that some of these tokenization components are coming into the, the traditional assets that are less than liquid and, and maybe really benefit from some of these opportunities. So exciting to see Archax getting involved in the additional value props that, that can, can come with tokenization. Yeah, I think this is a big win for Hedera. You know, we, we've seen them in and out of the, the tokenization space here and there. Um, but this is, I believe, a, a very big win given Archax's uh, past success, just uh, developing their whole infrastructure, also working with Aberdeen and many other large players. This proves to be a, a very, I think, useful partnership for Hedera. And it's great to see that they continue to expand. Uh, it means they must be, you know, very happy with each other. Absolutely. I wonder how it's going to affect any existing uh, funds or any existing tokenized assets on Archex, or if it's just going to be something to apply moving forward. Um, I know that Archex is working at Aberdeen, so i um, curious to see if they're going to participate. But moving on to other news, we also have over in Singapore, we have ADDX, Addix Exchange is listing an AI-enabled equities fund. And so what they're using is this fund is using AI to, you know, use machine learning specifically to optimize its investment strategy, but they made it very clear. It's not a replacement, it's merely an enhancement. So they still do have humans, you know, looking into this and revising like every stock that the AI picks, you know, how, okay, let's actually look into this and see if this is, makes sense or not. But nonetheless, <laughs> it's great to see that, you know, they're combining the two worlds here um, and it's tokenized being on, on ADEX, you know, so they're aiming for an 8% compound annual growth rate. And interesting stat here, the AI beat their benchmark, which over there, it's the MSCI AC Asia Pacific Index. They beat that by 35% uh, simply using this AI. So really curious to see. And the fund, by the way, does have allocations through over 1,300 stocks listed in 17 markets, including Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, the US even, and Germany. Any thoughts, guys? Kyle, you're a trader, you love AI. I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. I think it makes a lot of sense. Aggregated asset management is, I guess, the future of quantitative trading. Like you think about quants, you think about high frequency trading from the early 2000s into the 2010s. This is really the next generation of that. It's programmatically executing trades, rebalancing portfolios based off of a much wider set of levers that you can pull. So with with any, you know, traditional machine learning or any sort of regression analysis that you would use in a traditional quant fund, there is something kind of there's this almost concept of the more variables that you add to the trade, the less of certainty you can have. And it becomes very difficult because you're packing in so many different things to so many different constraints. One of the biggest applications of AI is its, is its ability to take on huge data sets and compile them and understand it much, much better. 
So I think this makes a ton of sense. Not to mention, if AI is doing it, you don't have to pay the AI. So you can bring <laughs> your cost down just from that alone. If it performs the same as your quant models, well, you're doing it at a more efficient price. So I think that for all these reasons, it makes a ton of sense. I obviously think there is a huge risk factor here, though, because of the fact that we have seen flash crashes, Black Friday, Black Swan events that happen because of quant funds that are positioned in a specific way that death spiral due to the inefficiency set up in the algorithm itself. So I think that definitely would be a concern for me, especially in the early phases of AI. We may not have battle tested these things enough, but I think that as long as you factor that risk in appropriately, this is pretty exciting and it probably is the future of asset allocation uh, at this scale. I, I think you are. I think you said that super eloquently. And, and in fact, um, it, it's good for transition into what I think is another cool application, which is El Salvador's Bitcoin volcano bonds. There is finally an update. Q1 2024. They've received approval from the, the Digital Assets Commission, which is their uh, they're from the National Bitcoin Office, the two, the two regulators that need to approve this in El Salvador. And um, the first quarter of 2024, you're going to see what are essentially government bonds issued by El Salvador focused on Bitcoin mining, of course, because their legal tender is Bitcoin and they're all in on Bitcoin. Uh, and the Bitcoin mining is powered by geothermal heat created from the country's volcano. How cool is that? Uh, super exciting to see the fact that, you know, this is one of the world's biggest proponents of blockchain, of tokenization, you know, literally bringing his country all in. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing that he also recognizes beyond Bitcoin as, as currency tokenization, specifically tokenized bonds, as well as really all assets I garner to say, uh, he believes will also be tokenized, which is why he's eating his own dog food, why he's sticking to this volcano bond to be tokenized. Um, so I'm super excited about this deal. I can't wait to hear the final details and terms that are announced in Q1. It's, oh, I think Kyle's muted there. That didn't happen. I wasn't expecting that. It got delayed. So it's great to see that this product is coming to market. Um, I think that it, it certainly is no coincidence that this is now being pressed forward as Bitcoin's price has increased and come back to levels that I think they were hopeful for to launch a product like this. Presumably, there was some sort of cost benefit analysis that they needed to do to, to feel more comfortable launching a product like this. But First quarter of 2024 aligns with a lot of the traditional crypto market, seeing a lot of positive momentum going into the first quarter. We're expecting to see an ETF potentially get approved at that time. There's also the Bitcoin halving that's coming out at the end of Q1 2024 and El Salvador now launching their volcano bonds. There's a lot of exciting things to look forward to in terms of the crypto markets, which presumably will trickle into the tokenized securities markets because of the fact that on-chain payments infrastructure will only be developed and solidified. And into our final article here, guys, of the market movements segment, we have Tokeny. Tokeny is a long-term company in the industry. They have been crushing it in the EU as an issuance platform. They're working with multiple different European governments. They're working with many of the largest institutions and exchanges internationally. 
And so they're doing really good. And the market movements point here is that they've actually secured more investment. So they are working with Apex Group. They've they've closed additional investment here and are expanding into their institutional infrastructure. It was not clarified in terms of how much they raised from Apex, but it was clear in the article that they've tokenized 28 billion euros in assets. So exciting to see that they brought a lot of assets on chain and good to see that they've, I guess, restocked the coffers with some, uh, some additional runway. Uh, it's probably over 30 billion in, in US dollars in, in tokenized assets. Tokeny is clearly leading the charge uh, among others to really bring in huge amounts, billions of dollars on chain. Uh, that, an apex group just being there, you know, sheer size. Uh, I think this is, uh, again, not just good for, for Tokeny and for, for apex group, but good for the entire industry to see, you know, fund admins and, and uh, service providers like this partner up and invest in specifically into other technology providers. I suspect we're going to continue to see the same thing throughout 2024, where you see big players target specifically key service providers to invest in and work with and grow their their infrastructure, just like we saw with Securency and, and the DTCC, which I believe also just cleaned up and, and closed their acquisition of all that. So really, really great stuff to see. Absolutely. Curious to see what they're going to do with this cash moving forward 2024. It's a big year. Um, like you said, Herbig, it's their tech provider. Um, and, you know, we saw their open-ended uh, fund, you know, solution come out earlier this year. Uh, we see them coming out and leading the charge with their ERC 3643. I believe that's what it is um, that they're trying to do right for interoperability for uh, KYC AML purposes, etc. cetera. Um, so I wonder what new solutions they'll come up with now that they have additional fuel to add to their existing buyer. So fantastic news. Gentlemen, why don't we move on to the next segment, Companies of the Week. Let's do it. Oh, another great show. I love these market movements where we're seeing so much activity every week. Of course, this show, it's never uh, investment advice, but I do hope everyone finds it helpful when we, we cover this and, and share our opinions. And of course, every week we do share our direct opinion on who we thought made the biggest moves in the space. That's where we choose our company of the week, which puts them in the running for company of the year. I believe there's only two or three more opportunities to make the cut for 2023. Kyle, did you bring anybody new to the fold? Who did you pick this week? Well, for this week, Herwig, I picked Blockstream. I think that it's so difficult in this market right now for businesses to raise money and to find investor allocations. And Blockstream has consistently knocked this out of the park. As we mentioned at the top of the show, they've raised 50 million for their Blockstream mining security token, which they got listed onto Bitfinex. They've now launched another product. They sold out their first tranche and they are launching another tranche now. So their success in the fundraise game, I think is the biggest reason why they get company of the week because they've certainly figured something out that a lot of other issuers in this industry are still trying to put the pieces together. So for that reason, Blockstream wins my company of the week. The great reason they truly are selling tokenized investment opportunities and that's that's the key to this whole industry is making the sale. So glad to see all that success and, and hope to continue to see you with their series too. Totally. How about you? 
Well, I just had to give it to Coinbase Asset Management, Kyle. I mean, Project Diamond is such a big deal. The uh, amount of institutional activity that I know they've probably already been talking to, that they now have an outlet that is really backed by Coinbase saying, hey, we have a sandbox. We've got the technology. We've got the vision. If you're an institution not in the U.S., <laughs> please come join us in, in Abu Dhabi and can start tokenizing uh, financial instruments. So I think that's going to lead to some very big, novel, innovative issuances. Uh, so for 2024, I imagine we're going to see a lot more news coming from Coinbase Asset Management. And I know that was not an overnight plan that they did in order to demonstrate to regulators, in order to pick their jurisdiction, in order to really build out Project Diamond. Who knows how long they've been working on this. So to see this come to life publicly, despite of course, the tension between Coinbase, uh, the parent company, and the SEC. It is it is awesome to see that Project Diamond moves forward, comes to life, and will bring in huge, I imagine, tokenizations into the industry. Uh, Kyle, that they, of course, Coinbase Asset Management, they have to win my company of the week this week. Yeah, Coinbase has just been continuously breaking ground in new industries, new jurisdictions, and continuing to assert themselves as just one of the most legitimate institutional actors that is digitally native. And with their base protocol that they've launched, they've seen so much success and adoption from their institutional clients. This is just a natural fit and asset management now, another arm of the business just continuing to crush it. It's just so great to see. We're going to have to start thinking soon about who is going to win our company of the year. Mm. Uh, stay tuned for that in January. Keep catching up with us weekly on Mondays and the holidays. They're here. And you know what makes a great gift, Kyle? Blockchain Explain. Let me try to get that up to the camera. It's not coming in so hot. Here we go. Blockchain Explain, written by yours truly and, of course, Peter Gaffney, another partner on the show. Uh, it's available on Amazon, on Barnes & Noble. Again, makes a great gift for anyone who's interested in blockchain. There is a hopefully a bull run around the corner, folks. It's a great time to get into the space. Uh, but with that, that's our show. Of course, in the meantime, go to stm.co, get all your latest trading information around the market, all your latest news. We're going to keep pumping out research. We're going to keep you plugged in into what's happening in the space. Uh, reach out to us if you ever have any questions, suggestions, feedback. And otherwise, we hope to see you next week on Monday. Happy tokenizing. Mm -hmm.